Okay, so welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim, uh at Dafyon, in um, Dafyomu. We are now beginning the third parak of Masechet Ketubot, or on Achavtet Amud Aleph, Parak Elu Na'arot. And just as a very quick introduction to the parak, and I put this into the uh, handout, which today is uh, an important handout to have. Uh, the third parak is devoted to the subject of what we call Onus and Mephateh, which are two separate parashiyot, one in parashat Kitetzeh, and the parsha of Mephata, which is a parsha Mishpatim, and I have them in textual order on the page, is introductory psukim. Each of them is two psukim, and each of them introduces the circumstance of a man having relations with a na'ara, who is a betulah, and uh, he who is unbetrothed to anyone, and in each case he has to give, pay a knas to the father, uh, and there is the mention of the possibility of refusal on the father's part, to have her marry him. Otherwise, he must marry the girl and is never allowed to divorce her. So our parak is devoted to this subject. Uh, the opening Mishnah lists uh, a bunch of women, a bunch of different types of women who, uh, contrary to assumptions, would none- nonetheless be subject to payment of the knas, uh, the fine for Ozen of knas. The following are Na'arot, a na'ara is a girl from the onset of puberty for the next six months. Before that, she's called a tanan, afterwards called a bogeret. That will become very important at the beginning of the Gemara. Elu na'arot knas. So the following is a list of na'arot who do get knas, uh, even though we would have reason to think they don't. Krut number one. Habal mamzeret, v'alatina So if someone has relations with a mamzeret or a netina, the Nitinim, the Nitinim, it's a long toast for here, the Nitinim were the Givonim, which are those few members of the seven nations who, through their own deception, take a look at the ninth chapter of the book of Yoshua, were successful in getting Amisrael to make a commitment not to destroy them. They were turned into sort of quasi-Jews, and there's an Isser to marry in the Nitin, and the Kuti, which are the Shomronim, um, even though these are people that you are not allowed to marry, nonetheless, if you have beer with them in such a circumstance, they get a knas. Also, something we saw back on Dafir Aleph in another context, and that is if you have beer with a woman who converted, or a woman who was released from captivity, or a shifcha who was freed, if that process took place before they were three years old, which means that any beer that took place beforehand does not violate their status of betulah, and since then they've been in a protected state, so they're still assumed to be a betulah. And the third group is Habal Achoto, there are seven women in this group, sister, Achot Aviv, father, sister, Achot Imo, mother is a sister, Achot Ishto, uh, the sister, his wife's sister, Yal Eshet Achiv, his brother's wife, Yal Eshet Achiv, his father's brother's wife, Yal Hanida, or Enida, Yeshlem Knas, Alpishem Bikaret, and Ben Mitapetit. The point of these last seven is all of them carry with them a Chiyu of Karet, having relations with them, but since there is no Mitapetin, since you are not executed for relations with any of these women, uh, therefore you pay the Knas. You will see that there is a, a famous dissenting opinion on that principle, uh, but uh, the assumption that he is here in the Mishnah is that if this were an act that you would get Mitat Beitin for, then there would not be a Knas, 
And that takes us to the entire sugya of um of which we will develop much more in the Gemara, a little bit in this podcast already, and the next few podcasts in greater detail. All right, so the first thing the Gemara addresses, which I already mentioned, is the fact that the Mishnah only tells us that you pay knas to these women who are psulot. What a regular girl doesn't get a knas? The point is, these are narots who are otherwise invalidated for marriage, to you at least, if not to everybody, and nonetheless they get a kanas. Good. So now the other diyuk from the Mishnah is na'arayin. It says only na'arot get it. Tana lo. Mantana. So who could be the authority who's teaching our Mishnah who, uh, who would limit kanas only to a na'ara? You know, Rav Marmeir, Reb Meri, this is the famous sheet of Rameir, Titania. Titania about Yom Achavyaj Tavishte Sarot, a girl from the day she's born until she has Shte Sarot, Yishla Mecher Ve'inaknas. She could be sold as an Amevria, take a look at the beginning of Parakafal of Sefer Shemot, Ve'inaknas. However, if someone has owns a pitui with her, there's no Knas. Shte Sarot Vashti Bagera, and from the moment she has Shte Sarot until she reaches maturity, she knas is liable and no more mecher. She cannot be sold anymore. Why? Any girl who could have knas could not have be sold. Any girl who be sold could not have knas. The two are mutually exclusive and, and uh, therefore our mission must be authored by Rameir who says only an Arai gets knas. So the Chacham say, from the minute that she's three years old until she passes Na'arut, Knas is available. So Knas in Mecher, the only Knas, not Mecher. So Ema Af Knas, the Mokom Mecher. It means that, uh, that what Chacham is saying is that even though from the age of one day old on, even though after three years old on, she could still be sold, nonetheless she still gets knas, which means that, according to Chachamin, it wouldn't only be na'arot. Now now we deal with a separate question, which is a very large question, which is how could the women in groups number one and three get a knas? Group two is a different story, but group one and three are women that I'm not allowed to marry. Take a look at the parsha on the top of the page. In part of the it says, which means he has to marry her, but what's the drasha? That means it has to be a woman who it's appropriate for him to take, which means that he only marries a woman if it's Isha Ruyelo. So, for instance, if a... Uh, if somebody uh, wanted to, to have the onus with an Imam Zeret, even though he'd have to pay the knas, he still can't marry her. But why is she in the parsha? Why does she get knas? Now, Machlok uh, Rashi and the Rach quoted in Tosfot as to whether Rishlokish is darshaning one word in Na'ara, the very fact that it's written Na'ara in our parsha, and the fact that it's written without a hay. And then the fact that it's written Hanara gives us three drawshot. Chadagufe, one is there because you need to say it. And the other one is there to teach you that even Chavilavin get a knas. 
And the other one is there to tell you Chavikreitor get a knas. That's Rosh Lakish. Papa Mar Bitula Bitulot Ham Bitulot. He is again Rashi and Rach have the same machloket whether or not he's riffing off the two instances of the word Bitula in the Parsha and Shmot. Now Rav Bitula in Kamara Ham Bitulot, and the fact that it says Ham Bitulot instead of Bitulot. Or whether he's just referring to the one word that it should have said Kimar Bitula. Instead it said Kimar Bitulot, it said Moar Habitulot. In any case, he finds two extra phrases or extra letters. So good. Now Rashlakish gets it from Nahara. The Papa gets it from Bitula. And the question, of course, is why each one will not be satisfied using the others. Papa Maitamalamakoshlakish. The answer is Ombaile the Khrabaye. He says that Naraha Nara was needed for Avaya's drasha. Avaya Let's say that somebody was Ones, a girl, and she died before he got a chance to come to Din. Paturi doesn't have to pay knas. Shinemar Nara He has to pay the father of the Nara. I means she has to be a Nara at the time of payment and not dead. So that's why Rav Papa doesn't like use the user Slakish's drasha because it says. One of the extra instances there is needed for a unique thing about the word Nara. She has to be alive. Rishlokish, my Papa. So why didn't Rishlokish want the Betula word? He said that Betula is there for a very important Xerashava. Now remember, only in the case of the Ones do we have the amount, which is Chamishim Shekel. We don't have that amount in the case of Afat. That says Kemorah Betulot, as if it's an amount that we all know. That the the different things that we learn about the payment, and we'll see more details later, but we need to tell me that the amount here is going to be the same as it is explicitly stipulated in the case of Onis. So we need it for that. Now, if that's the case, then each of Rishlokish and of Rapapa are going to be deficient in their limud because they will be eating up one of the words for their drasha, which uh, is needed for one of these things, either lo aviyameta or kamar tulot. Each needs the other. So we put them all together. Shita kraytiva. The truth is, we all put together six phrases. Two are needed for themselves. One in each parsha. And then one of them, one of the Na'ara, is needed for uh, Abayah's Drasha about the law of Yameta, and the Betulot is needed for the Xerashava. And now you have two left. Two are left. Good. So the one is there to expand the entire Drasha, and now it's a mixed Parsha, the Parsha of Onis and Mufata put together is now expanded to include Chavi Lavin and also Chavi Kritut. So essentially, Rishlokish and Papa independently would not have worked. It's only when we put the two systems together into six Psukim that we have two, of course, via distribution needed for themselves, two, again, via distribution, one for Abai, one for the Xer Shava, another two are left, one for Chavi Lavin and one for Chavi Kritut. Good. So now, Lafuke Mehaitana. And all of this is to stand in opposition to the particular Tana who said, Tanya Shimon who seems to be consistent with us, says, but not totally, says, uh, Lotia Lisha means 
that the parish applies to any woman who is Kiddushin or Tophes. Shemanasi Omer, Isha Ruya Lukaima. No, it's a woman that you're allowed to be married to. Now, my Benayu, what's the difference between the two approaches? That's easy. Ramzera, Ramzera, and Sinai, Our group number one is the difference. Ramzera and Sinai, if you give Kiddushin to Ramzera, it's Kiddushin or Tophes. But she's not Ruya Group number two, nobody has a problem with the Giorit, not a problem. And group number three, everybody would agree that um, a Kiddushin are not Tophes. Now, except for Abishua. So we'll have to see how this plays out. Now, that's a split the difference. However, Ula Rabbi Akiva, Akiva is going to be the red herring here. According to Rabbi which means that Shimon Timanu says it applies to everybody with whom Kiddushin applies to uh, face, wouldn't, they wouldn't, wouldn't apply to Mzeret. Um, and neither would apply to, according to Shimonasi, of course, who says it's a woman that has to be a woman that you can marry. So, my um, Benayo, according to Rabbi Kiva's perspective, what is it in Satini's tool, Drashot? The answer is, Ika Benayo, Amon Lekoin Gadol. The difference is that even according to Rabbi Kiva, there are some Lavin with Kiddushin and Tophase, and famously, Amon Lekoin Gadol. Now, that only works, Kirabi Simoi. Remember, there was a Machloket, we saw this in Yvomotaf Memtet, there was a Machloket between several later Tanaim as to what Rabbi Kiva meant. Rabbi Simai said as follows, He says that Rabbi Kiva says, Any Chayve Lavid creates a Mamzer, and therefore, Kiddushan are not Tophes, except Amon Lekoin Gadol. Take a look at Pasuk number one in the local Pasukim, underneath the introduction. Say Amana, etc. Lo yikach and Kohen Gadol may not take Amana. And this is the Lo yichalal zarobe amav. Chilulin osevei nosen ozer. And that if he does take a, a an Amana, only creates a chalal and not a mamzer. And that is Rabbi Simoy's take on Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva would say indeed that a a, uh, a Kohen Gadol marrying an having beer with an Amana would not create mamzerut. In which case. And Kedushin Artofes, in which case, according to Shimon Atimani, she'd be in the Parsha, and according to Shimon Atimani, she still wouldn't be in the Parsha because it's not really the Kaima. Right, good. Uh, that will only occur to Rabbi Simoy. But Rabbi Shevav disagreed and he said, Rabbi Kiva said, any time that there's a Biasura, the kid is a Mamzer. In other words, he doesn't allow for any room. Where it's a it's an illegitimate bia, and nonetheless the kid is not illegitimate. So my benayu, according to Rabbi Yeshivav, within Rabbi Akiva, what is the difference between saying that the woman has to be somebody who is appropriate to marry, or a woman with whom kiddushin There is no middle ground. So ika benayu. So the um, the uh, way we would explain what the difference between them is is that chayve essay that chayve say people who there is a chiyuv say to avoid, to ma- not marry them, that you're, for instance, mitzri v'adomi. You're allowed to marry a third-generation mitzri. Marrying a second or first-generation mitzri convert is an isur say right? Which would seem to mean that Rabbi Yeshevav probably would say, that I will consent, Rabbi Kiva would say, Kiddush Natofes. But it's not clear. Rabbi Shabbat never addressed it, so it depends. If he's just coming to disagree with Rabbi Simoy and say that I disagree with you, 
And Rabbi Kiva did not say that Alman Kohen Gadol is any different than the other Lavin. Then then Shapit. Then it it works well because he's responded to Rabbi Simon saying, "I disagree with you about Alman Kohen Gadol." But of course, Chayve uh, essay, I will agree with you that Rabbi Kiva says Kedushin Artofes. Ela e timer the Nafshe come with. He's speaking independently and he's saying anytime there's a beer that's wrong Kedushin Artofes and the kids are mamzer. Anytime it's wrong, kids are al mamzer. So my benayu, according to you know, it's very complex. According to the notion that Rabbi Shevav is speaking independently, not as a reaction of Rabbi and is claiming that Rabbi Akiva found any bia asura to be to create mamzerut and that relationship to not allow for the possibility of kedushin tovsin. Within that explanation of Rabbi Akiva, how would Rabbi Akiva explain the difference between ex- between reading the pasuk as a woman that it's appropriate to marry and a woman from Kiddush Natalface? There is no middle ground. A coin Godel who marries in Nanbatula, there nobody would question the Kiddush Natalface, and nobody would also question that it's not a right marriage. You should be marrying a Batula. Now, Umaishna. So why did you pick this one and say this one everybody would agree with? Because this is an assay that only applies to a coin Godel, as opposed to a Mitzvah that applies to everybody. Okay. Now, up until there, we've just analyzed why um, we, we began with asking the question why an illegitimate wife would nonetheless still get a woman who, who could not be a wife, or should not be a wife, to someone who would still get a Knas. And we saw that the mainstream approach would be, because after all, that there's a pasuk there to expand the parsha to chavilavin. But if you say that chavilavin and chavikritu are essentially not any different, because in both cases they create Ramzerian, and both cases they, uh, the Kiddushan are not tofes, so what would, what would be some reason to differentiate between or, or, or see as different an approach saying, Veloti Elisha means, an appropriate wife, or a wife with whom Kiddush face, that means the same thing within Rabbi Akiva. So he said, oh, if we push Rabbi Akiva to the limit and we take Rabbi Yeshevav's statement as not being a response to Rabbi Simai, but as an independent statement, then within that, how will we identify a difference between Kiddush not being Tofes and the woman being somebody who you're, it's not appropriate to marry? The answer is, but we'll So we could all, we, that, that's one we can pull out. Now, my start, uh, yeah. Amrav Chisdor, Chisdor makes the following comment. Nida, who's the seventh on our list of, of Kratot, everybody agrees, everybody meaning Shema Manasya and Shema Timani will agree that you pay Kanas. Why? If, if it's uh, Rabbi uh, Shema Manasya, it says it has to be someone who Kiddushan or Tophase. Sorry, Shema Timani. Then Hanami Yishbahavaya, if you give Kiddushan to a Nida, it works. And according to Shem Manasseh, it said, it's only a woman who you're allowed to be married with. Not only the kind, you're allowed to be married to Anita. Just can't have beer with her until she, uh, until she goes to the mikvah. All right, and all of that position, Rav Chista's statement that everybody agrees that a knas goes to Anita is, and really all the Kretot lists, or La Fuki this is all to stand in opposition to the famous Shita of Rav Nechunya Banakana. Now, a little bit about background here. There is a, an assumption, and we're going to get into greater depth in the next few podcasts, clarifying the sources for this assumption, 
that if you do an act which carries with it a, uh, a death penalty, and that same act generates some lesser liability, like a financial liability, classically, if you murder somebody and in the act of shooting them or stabbing them, you destroy some fancy, fancy clothing that they have, then you're exempt from the lesser punishment. It's a rule that we know as that the uh, punishment sort of stands with its greater punishment, or is included in the greater punishment. But extended that and said that not only when the greater punishment is a, um, a execution in Beitim, but also when it's karate. Right? That if you do an act which carries with the karate, any lesser liability that comes along with it, you'd be exempt from. That is Shita. Now remember, Yom Kippurim, if you do Malach on Yom Kippurim, Chayav Karet, if you do Malach on Shabbat, it's Skila. Merachun Yom Akana said the two are the same as far as Tashlumim goes. As far as payment, so for example, if you stole something on Shabbat and the same exact act, and we'll see this a little later on in the Gemara, the same exact act, which was the taking the item out of the Rashut, such that, it's, that it is the moment of uh, Geneva, is also the uh, the moment at which, and the specific act at which you violate Shabbat by caring, then he would say, you're not chayim for the gzela because you have chiv mita. And by the way, that's even true if chiv mita isn't carried out. Um, so he would say the same thing applies to Yom Kippur. Now, clearly, Yom Kippur cannot fit into our Mishnah because our Mishnah lists seven women with whom, if you have bia. You'd be chayav karet, and nonetheless, you pay the tashlumi, the knas. Now, my tamnam nechun mekana. Where does he get this from? Rabbi Nehemar ason bide adam. In the beginning of, of Parsha Mishpatim, the case is discussed where about two men fighting, and one pushes another guy into a pregnant woman because of miscarriage, and that is called an ason, a tragedy. Nehemar ason bide shemayim. And when Yaakov tells his sons, these are came two and three on the page. When Yaakov tells his sons that I can't let Benjamin go down with you to Mitzrayim because Kra'u Asson, a terrible thing might happen to him, and the assumption right now means a lion attacking him, something that is not a human deliberate intervention, but just a natural tragedy. He said the fact that both of them are called Asson and Tanakh means Ma Asson Hamur Bidea Adam Patumayat just like when people, meaning the Beiti, kill. So the lesser punishment is exempted. Similarly, if it's heaven's hand which causes death, which is karate, still the shlumin is exempted. Now, he challenges not Rav Nechunim statement, but rather the Abayi's explanation that he got it from these psukim. Who says that Yaakov was was warning his sons that the Asom that he was talking about was uh, about natural disasters like uh, cold and like traps. Maybe he was warning him about running into a lion or uh, being attacked by uh, by thieves, which are bide adam. So, what do you mean? Yaakov was only concerned about one? Not the other? Yaakov was warning about all of them. So when he said something terrible may happen, he meant thugs and robbers and uh, lightning may strike and they may fall into a pit, whatever, some of the natural, some of the human uh, intervention, which means that Asan will also include something that is what we call heaven's hand, Midei uh, Shomayim. 
Now, but seeing pachim b'deishamayim nino, since when is catching a cold or falling into a trap um, considered b'deishamayim? I tell you, kol b'deishamayim chutz mitzirin pachim. Everything is in heaven's hand except for traps that you fall into. Shemar, the fourth pasuk on the page, tzinim pachim b'derech ikesh. They are waiting in the hand for someone who's crooked. Somebody who's careful will stay away from them, which means it's up to you to stay away from traps. It's not God setting a trap on you. And by the way, let's flip it. You just argued that a lion attacking you or being attacked by Ganovin. That's human intervention. How can you say that? He said a very interesting thing. He said that well, from the time the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, truly before that, uh, about 40 years before that, even though the Sanhedrin uh, ceased to exist, the four types of execution didn't cease to exist. Lo Batlu? How Batlu? What do you mean they're, they're not gone? They're, they're, they're uh, not gone. They're, certainly they're gone. Ella, Din Arba Mitot Lo Batlu. What it means is that the notion that God still executes using these four Mitot are not cancelled. Meaning, if somebody did something for so there's no baiting to administer the skila. So how does God take care of this? Oh, no, from he'll fall off a roof, or he'll be eaten up by animals, kind of ripped up. You take a look at Rashi, and each one of these explain why this particular trauma is similar to the way that one of these mitot was carried out. If someone falls into fire, or a show. A uh, snake bites him, and the poison is like fire in the system. Yishakhev Hariga, Hariga is with the uh, sword, and the, uh, his head cut off. Onim Salamachut, he's handed over to the Romans, or least steamed by Nalav, or he's attacked by thugs. Yishakhev Chenek, which is choking, Otoveb Nahar. Omeid Pisronchi, either he drowns, or he's, he dies with some sort of a throat disease, or it's like choking. Right? So Allah Epoch, so now we have to flip it. Aryeh began Vibidei Shamayim. Really, a lion attacking or being attacked by Ganovim, that's Bideshavayim. That's God's way of, of getting to you when you're Chayav, a certain Mitapetim, and, uh, and it can happen. Sinim Pachim, on the other hand, natural things like traps that you fall into, etc., those are Bidei Adam. And if you're not careful, then indeed, um, it, then you will fall in that. And that's why Shemir Shur Yachak But the bottom line of all of this, as far as we're concerned, is that the word ason, the way that reads in when Yaakov warns his kids, is about any of these traumas, which one way or the other include things that heaven sends and things that include human intervention. And therefore, just like the word ason in the parsha of the, of the uh, hapala, the woman having the miscarriage, is human intervention. And here it's, it's divine intervention, so Rabbi Nechumayakana, there's a biased explanation, Rabbi Nechumayakana says, therefore, just like when the court kills you, you're exempt from lesser punishments, which of course is everything. Anything is less than death. You're exempt from lesser punishments for the same act. Similarly, when heaven kills you, that's correct, you're exempted from lesser punishments for the same act. So everybody should have a wonderful day. We will continue on the Yerzah Hashem from here at this point in the next podcast.